Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, and I just wanted to tell you about the ways to follow me. So if you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what platform you're on, but I'm on all of the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and you can also follow me on my social media for those of you who found me through your podcast platform and not on social media. Some people have been following me on Instagram or Facebook, and that's how they learned about the podcast. But for those of you who learned about my podcast first, please feel free to follow me on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. The doctor is abbreviated as DR, and there's no period, so it's DR Delvina, which is spelled D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. And let's see, I have a website. I mentioned before that the website was under construction, but the website is up and good to go. It is Dr. Delvina Help. So again, the DR is abbreviated DR, D as in Delta, E L, V as in Victor, E N A, Help, H E L P as in Papa.com, Dr. Delvina Help.com. So please. Go to my website, take a look, peruse the site, and see what's going on there. And uh, I'm also, let's see, where else am I? I'm in SoundCloud as well, but I'm not as active on SoundCloud as I am with my um, with my podcast. You know, this podcast has been up since May 2020 during the pandemic. And um, I just love talking about the brain and helping to educate people about their mental health and wellness so please spread the word, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a loved one, tell a significant other, tell your ex. If there's something I've t- I touched on that really that you identify with and you want to share it with someone, share it, please. Hey, 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 guys. Happy Sunday night. Happy Sunday. We are about a month or so into my fourth year I'm hosting the Brain Love Podcast, and it has been such a wonderful journey. It's been great because of the people that I invite on the couch who accept my invitations. Thank you to those people who reach out to me and send emails asking to join me on the couch. I appreciate you guys, too, because you want to share your story, which means so much to the listeners. And tonight, I have a phenomenal guest. You always hear me say I have a great guest, but I have a phenomenal guest tonight, and it's a man. It's another man. Guys, you know, June is Men's Health Awareness Month. May was Mental Health Awareness Month. Next month is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. I don't expect you to remember all this stuff, which is why you listen to my podcast, so I can remind you, but please help me welcome Dr. Hervey Damas on the couch, y'all. Hey, Dr. Damas. Hey, what's up? What's up? How you feeling? I am feeling peachy keen. Thank you. And how about you? I'm chilling. I'm chilling, enjoying myself, enjoying life. You know, can't complain in a good space and time. Life is great. Yeah, man, it is. And I'm so blessed to have you on the couch with me tonight. Thank you for spending a piece of your Sunday night with the psychiatrist. Are you scared? 
Not at all. <laughs> why should I be? Why should I be scared? What What happens here that I did not know of? I did not okay. sign a waiver. So you're not scared, but are you nervous? I'm not nervous. You're very. You have a very warm demeanor and disposition. I feel absolutely at ease. Oh, all right. So then, let me ask you that magical question: Are you ready to take the couch? I am ready. Let's yes. Yes. I'm so ready for you too. And I'm so glad that you're here tonight and you're willing to share your story. Um, I mentioned to you before we got on the couch that there's so much to your history that I really didn't know where to start because you check the box in so many spaces. You are a medical doctor. You're a licensed MD. Uh, you were a former NFLer. You are an ex-NFL player. You played for Boo, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Why are you hating? Oh my. Listen, you know, that's not good for you. I don't who do you root for? First, don't tell and, me and, so, and I was about to say there is no reason for me to boo the Bills because they okay. are not in my conference. I am a Ravens fan. Go be Yo. more. You are a Ravens fan. Y'all lucky y'all signed your boy, but you know, um, you know, I don't dislike the Ravens. You know, they're all right. Lamar yeah. got a little help this year. We'll see what happens if he can stay healthy. But uh, you know, the Bills are a spectacular organization. There's no better fan base than the Bills Mafia, too. So, you know that I we travel know. deep. We travel I, deep. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers would probably disagree with you. Mm -hmm. They could because they're disagreeable. You see, yeah, yeah. The former Oakland Raiders would disagree with you. They're no longer mm -hmm. Oakland, of course. Yeah, but they hey. don't even have a home. They're just you know, <laughs> you know happy because they were in Los Angeles at some point. Then they went to Oakland, came. They don't even have. They're just like nomads. Yeah, yeah. they're just floating around. Iron but, guns. <laughs> and guess what? So anyone listening tonight. Tell my boy LJ to check out this episode because we want you to stay healthy, Lamar Jackson. So I want you to listen to Dr. Thomas because he's going to talk to you guys about CBD. And we're also talking about medicinal cannabis tonight. We're talking about a lot of different stuff, but I brought him on the couch so he can share his experience with it. So Dr. Damas, what I love about you, and this is what I try to seek in my guests, is that there's a personal experience in whatever it is that this person is speaking on. And you have a personal experience with injury, um, with on-the-field injuries, I should specify. Um, you've had experience being treated with or people who attempted to treat you with things like narcotics and opiates, that sort of thing. And it didn't go over too well for your body. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, football is a violent sport. Um, so I think anyone who's played that sport uh, has suffered some sort of injuries. It's just part of the game, you know. Um, and then as you progress, depending on the positions you play and as you progress, you know, the chances of you having a major uh, injury, you know, increase uh, substantially. And then there are the injuries that are kind of a little bit more insidious the brain injuries, you know, results of multiple concussions and those type of things that have kind of like a delayed um, presentation to later on in life, you know. So those are the things that we see in people who have like CTE and diagnosed and they have all these behavioral changes and things like that. So there's a myriad of things that 
as an athlete in these type of sports with football, MMA, boxing, hockey, lacrosse to an extent, you know, you put your body through a lot of things and some of the treatment options, you know, we, we can go into some of the reasons why they are the way they are, but don't necessarily provide options that are best suited for the player or give mm -hmm. the player the best results. Gotcha. You know, um, guys, I mentioned that Dr. Damas uh, is an MD. He's a medical doctor. He's a physician. He was also a principal investigator of a groundbreaking study, which investigated CBD and the effects that it has on former elite athletes. So you've dibbled and dabbled a lot more in this than most of us, including myself. I've not been a part of any studies, Dr. Damas. Um, so before we get into the CBD and the medicinal cannabis, I would like to just very quickly kind of just shortly, just quickly, excuse me, review your NFL or your uh, football bio, because I <laughs> want folks to know, did you play football like in elementary school and junior high and no, high school? I started, I started playing um, in college. So actually I started playing in high school. Um, so I played high school in New York City, Brooklyn Tech, best high school in the country. Uh, then I went off, I played at, uh, at Hofstra undergrad, and then I played one year with the Bills, blew out. My knee actually had one of the worst knee injuries you can have, tore my ACL, MCL, PCL, medial, <laughs> medial wow. meniscus, yeah. So, what, you know, what is there's term for that when you tear the, the, those three? triad or something like that, yeah. Will you tear them off? I'm here, but we're frozen. Right. <laughs> Murphy's Law again. <laughs> well, you know what? You were looking cute. Oh, you were frozen on my screen. So <laughs> all right. you weren't like in an odd pose or anything. It was really uh you had like a really inquisitive kind of look. So I do like <laughs> Hopefully I wasn't looking crazy, but no, okay. no, it was actually it was actually super cute. <laughs> okay, so right. I will I will edit this. Um, the last thing you heard me say, well, I, you just gave your your football bio, and mm, I was, was a terrible try. Yes. Okay. So my next question. Um, here we go. And right. one, you. 
So it sounds like you're saying that one year into your NFL career, you blew out your knee, basically. Basically, yeah, absolutely. Blew out my knee. Um, so that was the end of my football career. Unfortunately, wow. I didn't find out that that was going to be, you know, this is back in 95. So they weren't putting the, the Humpty Dumpties together as well as they are nowadays. <laughs> but I think even nowadays, an injury like that, it's hard to, to come back from. Um, so that was like, I didn't know. Even then, they prescribed me a bunch of stuff. And I was like, yo, I do not like this. I remember that. Like, do not give me. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a funny story about that. In the hospital, they had me on the PCA pump. I remember that. They had me on the PCA pump for morphine so you could self-administer. I yeah. remember after surgery, being in pain and like clicking this thing. And, you know, after about eight hours, I was like, hey, what's up with this thing? It's not it's not working. Right. And they're like, oh, we're going to increase it. And then the next day, I remember like pressing the thing more. And they were like, hey, man, like you're out of your interval. Right. Because it's on a timer. You can't dispense it. And I remember starting to Jones for it. Like, yo, I need this thing. And at that moment, I was like, I don't want this feeling at all. Do not connect me to that thing again. I don't want it. I will suck it up. Like, oh, no, you don't have to. We can give you. I was like, you know what? I don't like it. And I haven't pooped since I got here. <laughs> it was the other thing. I, was, I haven't used the bathroom since I got here. This is terrible. You know, so I remember that being one of the first kind of second or third bad experiences because we had gotten some prescriptions in college. You know, and they used to give this stuff away to you very easily it's like you're in pain and like here you go as a matter of fact i believe a couple of teams had gotten into trouble for having open prescriptions <clears throat> and what that means is like you know the team doctor whomever would then just write the prescriptions and they would fill them and then those prescriptions would sit in the trainer's office for you if and when you needed it right and so you didn't come in and say hey you know yada, 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 I'm feeling bad. And then they would go in and grab your stuff for you and give it to you, which obviously <laughs> puts you at high risk for abuse. Like that's like the worst thing you want to do is have these kind of things available like candy for people, yeah, right? Because once yeah. you start the dependency cycle, you know, no one's going to say no to you, right? right? And there's no breaks on that. So so a question for you, um, when these open prescriptions, this was the controlled substances, or are you talking about ibuprofen 800 milligrams? No, controlled substances, you're talking, yeah, you're talking about your, your morphine, your oxys and those type of things. So they were readily available. You know, you can just um, go and say like, hey, you know, I'm going to take my stuff and they'd be like, okay, cool, man. Like, you know, that's what yeah. you need. As a matter of fact, one of the good, best pieces of, of advice I got was from a couple of, who happened to be one of my frat brothers I'm still tight with, was like, hey, whatever you do, stay away from that stuff. And I remember telling him like, yo, man, I don't like the way this stuff feels. He's like, yeah, because they'll keep giving it to you. And there's a whole bunch of dudes around here that can't survive without it. You know, and we were talking about dependency but in time you know in terms that really didn't describe it but it was like hey these yeah. dudes are stuck on that stuff you don't want to wind up like those guys and there was you know a lot of dudes used to fall you know into like that basket you know a couple of Brett Favre had a this dependency he was like one of the famous dudes lots and lots of guys used to like get themselves into trouble alcohol was another 
like substance of abuse, you know, mm -hmm. which allowed people to kind of numb the pain, sleep issues, people drink themselves to sleep, you know, so it was a kind of a culture of, you know, put band-aids on things, just get you going to the next day, to the next game, and then we'll figure it out as we go along. And when you play big time college sports, it's like that in college. And in high school, it was not as bad. Um, but, you know, we had team doctors give you injections. In high school, I was self-medicating with my mother's, um, like, Midol or Dones. I think she had some pills like that. And I used to take those for the headaches in high school. I remember that before games and practices, like pre-treating myself with Dones or Midol so my headaches would go away. So, you know, it's kind of like a culture you got to play right? No one wants to, like, you sitting outside talking about, I'm hurting, or, like, my body aches. Okay, cool. Fine. Go sit over there. You can go to get on the field. And if you don't get on the field, everything that you work for, what you want, is not going to happen for you, right? So, you know, there's a pressure there. There's an understanding that you got to make it happen. And by hook or by crook, you're going to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looks at um, this pro athlete life like, um, you know, it's the, the best thing since sliced bread, but not giving consideration to all the challenges that you guys have to endure. You know, that challenge of anticipating when will my injury occur? Will it be a career ending injury that could, you know, compromise my income? Um, also the pain challenges and, and treating those things and having other options other than the controlled substances. Um, I have this thing where I truly believe that this situation that we have with opiates in the community, a lot of it is the response, it falls on the responsibility of practitioners, of clinicians, of doctors, of pharmacists. Um, you know, there's been a little bit, a lot of, not a little bit, there's been a lot of misguided patients by by us um you know i took my son to the er one time and the er doctor wanted to give him percocet and i asked him like why are you jumping right away to an opiate uh, did you consider trying something else you're going to give a high schooler percocet so I, I you know it's my opinion that some of these prescribers actually have set people up to develop this addiction do no harm but <clears throat> Yeah, when I was in residency, my intern year, I was uh, I did my intern year in general surgery in the Bronx, crazy. And a lot of kind of like, you know, there was order sets already built into things. So it was kind of like, get the patient in and out, manage their pain, shut them up and get them going, right? So it'd be like, all right, you know, patients in here, yada, 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 click on the order set, it comes out and then that's it. Right. And so sometimes patients be like, I don't want that. And mm -hmm. you would have to say, you know, you're the resident in charge. Listen, man, I don't really make these decisions, <laughs> like, but this is what we're prescribing you. So is there something else? I remember having, I would try to get IV Tylenol for patients um, to help them with their pain. And they would be on my ass about that. I would get calls from the pharmacy, like, you can't order this. Why? Because of the cost. Like, no, you know, we can better handle their pain with the opiates. Wow. And I'd be like, well, the patient doesn't want that. And they'd be like, well, homeboy, they'll tell them that that's the choices. I mean, and that was a situation. And here you are as a resident, you're the person really seeing these people all the time. Your attendings don't really see them. 
that that often. And you would just be like, okay, you, you're part of the system at that point, right? You're part mm -hmm. of the machine, which is like, hey, this is what we do. You're going to get discharged. Here's your prescription for your Percocets, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even write that. That discharge order set right there, boom, and it goes out. And mm -hmm. so, you know, and then when you go and see your follow-up, you're probably jonesing, right? Because it takes, you're even paying or you're jonesing in their follow-up. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, here's another set, get out of here. And then now you're caught. It's over, yeah. right? And yeah. then that's the cycle that people get themselves involved involved in. I read statistics like 20 to 30% of opioid addiction cases are as a result of prescriptions, you know, yeah. dental and, and medical prescriptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was just about to interject that obviously we're not saying everyone that takes an opiate uh, will develop an addiction. Um, you know, there's other factors to be considered. Um, genetics and family history is a part of that. What makes you more susceptible to addiction, uh, those types of things. And sometimes when people are experiencing mental health challenges in their life and they're looking for something to help kind of numb them, as you mentioned earlier, Dr. Damas, or distract them or um, create this euphoria for them because some people have uh, a reaction or a response to these opiates that's better than the next person. You know, you were saying how for you, you didn't like how it felt. Um, and the same applies for me. I cannot stand anything that has oxy in it, Percocet, none of that stuff. It makes me sick. Mm -hmm. I'm actually pretty sensitive to it. So the only major surgery I had, they gave me Tylenol after surgery. And that's what, I didn't have anything as, um, as uh, painful as a knee surgery because of three tears or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it's, I'm someone who's sensitive to it. So I won't develop an addiction to that particular, to that particular agent. Um, this is great that we're having this conversation because I think uh, parents, you're listening, please be aware of what doctors are prescribing to your children. Some docs are giving teenagers um, controlled substances. And, and, and the example I gave you, the doctor didn't even talk to me about what he was prescribing to my son. I just, I, I read the discharge, pardon me, the discharge instructions and reviewed the, the prescriptions that they provided. Um, Dr. Damas, really quickly, one thing that I did not set up in the beginning, I did not uh, read your entire bio. So folks are probably wondering, well, damn, what kind of doctor is Dr. Damas? You mentioned general surgery, internship or residency. Um, let's let's go down that path now. Let's do the little bio. Uh, we talked about the football career, your medical career. Um, you trained your residency is in what specialty? Your, I'm sorry, your specialty wasn't. Your wasn't what <laughs> yeah, so I did uh, my internship in gen surge and then my radiology residency. So okay. uh, I was actually in training. So I didn't actually finish all the way through my radiology residency because I started this practice. I started my medical marijuana business and the hospital gave me an ultimatum. So I was in my third year, fourth year. Um, oh, and wow. they told me you need to stop you need to stop this. So yeah. Um, so that was like a big, big, like home to what's, what's the word I want to say tumultuous part of my life. Um, because I had started this thing and I was, you know, it was something that was really close to me. I was already working. I had to open my office and, um, you know, they had gotten wind of it. 
And I got a letter from the lawyers at the hospital. It was like, hey, man, you're like, this has got to stop right now. And I was kind of like, well, this is my, you know, this is my separate kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, no, bro, anything mar marijuana associated has got to stop. So um, that was before it was legalized. It was. So no, it was state. legalized. It was legalized in the state. Yeah. Okay. So it was legalized. It was after it was legalized and everything. And so they were they were still like, yo, bro, okay. we don't want any affiliation with anyone. Okay. And so I kind of known this um, because it had happened. In, uh, so I knew there was a potential for this. It had happened in other states where if you were involved in this, you'd lose your admitting privileges. Some some of your okay. um, insurances would drop you off of their roles. So a lot of doctors were kind of like, I'm not going to do this because I'm going to lose my bread and butter doing this. The risk is not worth it. And so, so we went real, back real, and quick, forth. real quick, folks, just as a reminder, uh, cannabis is not federally legal. It's not allowed by the federal government. It's not legal. It's still an illegal substance in America. So yeah. Um, yeah. So that so that's really important because some of these carriers are national Medicaid, Medicare. And so, you know, you could be outside operating outside of the their rules, right? Because you're dealing with an illicit substance. So a lot of physicians, you know, actually took L's early on. So I kind of knew there was a risk. Went back and forth with the hospital. It took us about four, five, six months or something. I had a lawyer. They had the lawyers. It was like beefing. We, I remember this. We had like big vice president, the president. Like this like went all the way to the top. I swear to God, it was thinking about it now. I'm like, this is so preposterous. Like just thinking about it now. Yeah. And they were like, finally, they're like, listen, if you don't cut this crap out, we're going to fire you, we're going to terminate you, and then we're going to um, put a mark on your record with the state, which will then mess up your license, which will then, you know, so cut the crap, homeboy. And so finally, my lawyer was like, listen, bro, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to, you know, right? like, go on this pathway, but from the way that you're fighting, this is not what you want to do anyway, right? Like you want to sit in the reading room for the rest of your life, blah, blah, blah. And so honestly, the thing that helped me make the decision talking about your son, as I sat down and I said to myself, what would I have two kids? What would I tell my son if he came to me with the same dilemma? Like, hey, are you going to let them basically break your back and tell you, yo, bro, you're going to do what we tell you, shut your mouth? Or you're going to stand up for what you believe. You're doing something that you really believe in. You know, there's not a lot of other people. Other people have taken the L. Like somebody's got to stand up. So I was like, let's go. Let's let's go do this. So I resigned. You know, Wait, what year was that, Dr. Damas? That was 20, uh, 2018. Wow. Yeah. That was 2018. Um, okay. So I resigned. I resigned then. And then, uh, yeah, I just kept moving forward from that point on. Um, and I'll tell you the truth, it was difficult at first, right? Because, you know, you gave up, you know, like you gave up the golden goose, like you've been working all this time to get to this position, to get to the status. And, uh, but there was something else. Honestly, there was something else for me to do. And being, yeah. being secure and, and comfortable in the fact that what you're supposed to be doing sometimes is going to be against the grain it's going to make you uncomfortable, but it needs to be done. 
Um, I feel good in that. I feel good in all the patients that I help, the people that I help, you know, the, the fact that we did the study, you know, I was the first, I put my butt in the line for that because uh, we went through like four or five IRBs turned us down before. That was a self-funded study. Um, I did that with actually Mike Tyson was my- Dr. Thomas, tell the listeners what is an IRB? Okay, so an IRB stands for an independent review board. Um, and what that does is anytime you're doing a research study and has human subjects in there, they've got to go over the entire entire protocol and make sure that basically you're not doing anything that is um, unscrupulous. You're not putting people at harm. You're not doing like crazy. You're not doing Tuskegee experiments. You're not doing just crazy stuff, illegal stuff um, that's going to harm people. You're not enticing them into doing things that may not be of the benefit. So they'll mm -hmm. go through that. You have to get approval before you can do this. And so you, you have institutional IRBs. The first one that we had, we almost got through was with NYU. And then at the last minute, they shot us down. And so you have to constantly submit this and each time it costs money, it's a delay and all this good stuff. And they'll rip your, they'll rip your, your thing apart, right? So they're looking for a reason to say no. And like, here we are, like, hey, we're going to do a study on CBD and cannabis, and it's like kind of legal, kind of illegal. Um, so ultimately, the last IRB that we got that said yes was like, okay, bro, we'll say yes, as long as you are okay with the fact that you might you lose your medical license, you know, we'll sign it off if you make these changes to it. Um, and basically all liability, you're the subject matter expert. So again, it was like, okay, big man, like, Yo, are you about that life? Go ahead, let's prove it. So I did. And the funniest thing, the lucky, luckily the funniest thing happened is that they passed the farm bill. They passed the farm bill three months after we got, I said, yes. And then they said, okay, you guys can start. And so that's like the circumstances. And so we were actually able to be the first people to do a CBD or hemp-based product study because of that, because I had been like going through all these barriers for like two years trying to get this stuff done. Um, so we're able to do that. And a bunch of athletes, football players, hockey players, boxers, Olympic athletes come through, just people mm -hmm. who were kind of like, you know, I'm inch I've heard about it. I'm interested in like, you know, finding a little bit more and basically had hit a dead end in terms of finding traditional treatments that would, or Western treatments that would help them with what they were going through, right? It was kind of like all these people were kind of like, yeah, man, I'll volunteer. Am I going to die? Like, no, you're not going to die. Like, yeah, I would like <laughs> to see if this stuff works because nothing is working for me right now. Um, and the interesting thing too, because a lot of these people were men, their partners, wives, girlfriends were the ones who were like, you should sign up for the study because they had seen these men and these people kind of deteriorate over time. And they were like, listen, if there's a chance that something can make a difference in your life, like, let's get you going, homeboy. So that was like, even that, being able to do that and provide that option for people, like, I know I'd, I made the right decision you know, sitting in a radiology room right now, I'd probably would be one of those miserable people where you <laughs> Yeah, you, you you don't fit the mold of a yeah. radiologist. Where's my cat scan read? I like, man, yeah. I'll get to it. 
I won't even analyze you and say what I suspect as to why you <laughs> considered going into that 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 field. Um, so, Dr. Damas, thank you so much. You've been um, an advocate for um, medicinal cannabis. You're out here um, every day, all day long, advocating for your patients. You're educating us. You're helping folks get access to CBD and medicinal cannabis, which is now um, or has been in, in the state of Florida legal, I want to say, what, seven years nearly? Yeah, Just 20, about, Wendy? No, actually a little. So we had our first program was a limited access program in 2014. And that was only for patients who had terminal conditions, you know, and you had to have like two, three doctors sign off on it and say, yeah, yeah. you know. So it was the first one. And then Amendment 2 passed in 2016. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, and so, Amendment 2 was that game changer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've had, you know, as I said in the beginning, you've had your personal experience with certain things. You had your uh, personal experience dealing with pain in those situations. You played football. Um, you also noticed that during a, some point in time, I guess it was early on during your medical education, you yourself had issues with sleeping, you had some mood swings, you experienced some things that would be categorized as being mental health challenges. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how you dealt yeah. with it? So that was, I would say that was like the craziest thing because the injuries, like the physical stuff, the pain, I think you kind of get conditioned to, I think a lot of people get conditioned to living with pain. It's just mm -hmm. there, you know, what are you gonna do about it? Um, mm -hmm. Even though that, affects your mental health as well right um right. but once like these things the sleep was the first thing that I was like man I, I can't go to sleep like I, I want to go to sleep I can't go to sleep if I do go to sleep I wake up and I can't go back to sleep which is weird because I like sleeping like I used to enjoy getting my rest and once the sleep started going downhill um the anxiety started yeah. And then, you know, and there are medical uh, reasons why those two are intertwined, right? But that mm -hmm. also put me off as well because I'm not typically an anxious person. I don't feel uncomfortable in my own skin or in a room or in a space. So mm -hmm. to come to a point in life where you walk into a room and your heart is beating or you're getting nervous about the thought of just like mundane daily things was really unsettling for me because I was like, I don't even get, I don't even get this. Like, this is weird. I don't feel comfortable as myself and mm -hmm. I don't even have anything to feel uncomfortable about. Right. Like, but there were like these feelings that were awkward and new to me. So mm -hmm. that was, that was crazy. And then I had the moon swings and, you know, all these things start to intertwine one another. Some of them beget others and exacerbate them. And I would, you know, kind of vacillate between kind of like bursts, you know, just being like really aggressive and, and angry. A true story. I know you'd be like, when I was in residency, I would have to give myself pep talks in the morning, going to the hospital and be like, do not lose it on anybody today. Swear to I'd be like, take it easy, relax. You're going to make it through. It is not like, you know, I'm, I could joke about it now, but I was like, yo, I'm going to lose it in here. I was sleep deprived. I was already nervous. There was a lot of stuff going on and I knew I was on edge. I didn't yeah. feel like myself. And so one of the things 
I was, uh, I went to see some of my attending physicians in med school and I was like, something's wrong with me. I don't know what it is, but A, I haven't been able to sleep. So I had started self-medicating with like over-the-counter um, sleep meds. I tried mm-hmm. the Unisom stuff, like some of those things. It, it didn't work for me, left me real groggy. I went to Benadryl, <laughs> so that didn't work. I started mm-hmm. drinking. So I'm gonna tell you all the things I was like, okay, it's time to go to sleep. I'm gonna have like a whole bunch of drinks or some beers, something to bring it down. Like I gotta get this down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to them and I was like, something's going on. I'm not sleeping. I feel really nervous and out of sort. And I'm like, you know, starting to lose weight. Like, and so boom, from that moment, it started like the cycle of being in the system. So I started getting a whole bunch of tests recommended. They were calling their friends and God bless them. You know, thank goodness I had people who cared enough would be like, oh, I'm going to call so-and-so. He's the chief of neurology over here. He's going to I had all types of tests. I had tests to see if I had um, adrenal tumors. I had, I had CAT scans. I had a 24-hour urine test. I, like, you name it, I had them. And it, wow. everything back was like, nah, bro. You know, this is like, we can't really find anything. And I'm like, there is something wrong. I'm telling you there's something wrong with me because A, B, C, D, E. And they're like, man, I can't tell you what's going on. So the funny thing is about that time was when that movie came out, the concussion movie, Will Smith. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, we didn't really know there was like a connection between the head trauma and these kind of behavioral things, right? So it's kind of like, and, you know, it was like- Yeah, because up up until that point, no one said, go see a psychiatrist. No, right? So as a matter of fact, I had, I had- one one sister it was actually a sister she was my peds attending and I was like listen something is wrong <laughs> like there is something wrong I don't you know which I think I went to her first because I felt kind of like that kinship to her to just say that there's something wrong you know because it's even hard to even like to say to someone there's something wrong with me I know there's something wrong that I can't get a grip of and she was um you know, she was the f- one of the first people who was like, hey, man, you might want to go see somebody because mm-hmm. like, you know, you sound like uh, and she was like, you want to kill yourself? I was like, no, I don't want to kill myself. But, gee, I got these headaches. I ain't sleeping. I got anxiety and I'm having like, fits. Um, so I wound up actually seeing somebody. Um, she wasn't a psychiatrist uh, a few years later. That was the first time I went to sleep. But I had to get to a point in my life where, like, I was at my wit's end for me to even yeah. consider it, right? right. Um, well, and, and, I, and shout out shout out to the peds doc who asked you if you were suicidal, <laughs> right? Because yeah. a lot of people hesitate to ask that question. Well, you know what? Shout out to Black doctors. I want to say this. Shout, <laughs> and here's here's real talk, right? Because, you know, there's not a lot of us. Um, and I notice when I have Black patients that all my experiences, there's more openness, the dialogue, they, patients feel more at ease. We're like, oh, thank God, you know, it's you. Um, and... I feel the responsibility and I know you do and like every other brother, sister that I've worked with always have felt like, yeah, you know, that's one of us. Like we got to look out because the rest of these guys 
are just going to like brush them aside. And the patients know that too, you know, and they and, feel. And, and listen, segue, I wanted to make a point when you were going through everything they ruled you out for. I was going to say, if you were an ordinary Negro, you wouldn't have got half of what they did for you. <laughs> no. so I was I was just telling someone this the other night, how being in the medical field gets you, at times, I have read some scary stories that other physicians have shared about their experiences in the ER, not saying no name Jackson, but um, they've had some <laughs> challenging experiences being a patient because of the color of their skin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, as you were saying, I'm sorry to. No, you're absolutely right. That there's not that's not a lie. Um, and so, you know, went through all these things, and it wasn't until I got to like the end of my rope was. It, I swear to God, it's like, and you know that you're a very you capable person, right? So you're like the things that I know I'm capable of. Like this is crazy. How is this like? You know, I'm struggling with these basic things. It shouldn't be like this. And so they yeah. gave me all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, somebody said, hey, man, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to give you some of the Xanax. <laughs> right? That was like the first one. They were like, hey, yeah. well, we're going to help you go to sleep and take some of this anxiety off of you. Mm-hmm. And it had me like a zombie. This is the craziest thing. I was, I, this is stupid when I think about it. I was cutting these things up into like little portions because mm-hmm. I was trying to find a dose that would like put me to sleep, but not have and me groggy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah right. a dose so, you could function on still. Yeah, right. So I swear to God, I was like cutting these little things up. They, did so, they give you the two milligram bars, the blue ones? Which no, ones? they didn't. <laughs> they didn't give me any bars. Thank God. I didn't find out about those until later. Right. So I was cutting these things up. That wasn't working. And then I got injured again. Um, because what I had realized, this is the funniest thing, um, which ties into how our body works in cannabis, is that when I exercised a lot I felt a whole lot better so I got into like this really vigorous exercise and like crazy and I wound up hurting myself getting another surgery and then I say like okay here oh boy here's some oxys for you and here's some perks Uh, and so then at the same time I had the zannies I had the oxys the perks and they made me sick and my neighbor upstairs is killing me. So they made me sick. So now I'm in pain, full surgical pain, and I can't sleep. And I got all this going on. So I go back. This is crazy. And I'm like, I don't feel good. And they're like, here's some Seroquel, homeboy. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and that, and, but you know what? What you are detailing is Western medicine at its yeah. finest. That yeah, is Western medicine for you. We are always searching for or looking for a pill or a prescription. Some patients will get mad at you when you tell them a medication's not indicated. You don't need pharmacology. This is what we need to do. This, this, and yeah. that. So you yeah, get well, you got Xanax, Seroquel, Percocet. Actually, and I'm like, it's a funny thing. Last year, two years ago, I did a spring cleaning. I had all those things. I had them all in a bag. And I was like, damn, I still got these. And then like one day I was like complaining and uh, somebody was like, yo, man, you should smoke some weed. And I was like, weed, crazy. (laughs) What do you, do you know I'm going to see all the specialists? Like I'm taking all the tests. I've seen all the specialists. I'm in med school myself. Let me tell you one thing I could tell you is that is crazy. Only dumb people think they can solve their problems. I swear to God, I was on a soapbox, high horse, right? 
I'm not kidding you. And they're like, I don't know. A lot of people have been saying it helps them sleep. It helps them with pain. And I was like, if it did, they'd be teaching it to me in medical school. And they're not. I swear to God. Because we're so, um, you know, uh, I won't say brainwashed, but somewhat. They, yeah, they teach us this certain way to um, take care of our patients and to create a treatment plan. And, and, and these plans don't include alternative interventions at all. Not until mm-hmm. like very recently. Yeah, right. So I remember if I think back to like board exams, it's like anything weed related was like, uh, you know, drug abuse. It was like, you know, it was always something yeah. horrible, right? Oh, the kid is not yeah. doing well in school. Now, really quickly, let me just interject um, in case there's someone listening. Cannabis is not the best fit for everyone. There are a few people who, as a psychiatrist, I would say cannabis is contraindicated. Um, And this is medicinal cannabis. Now, Dr. Damas is a full-time cannabis specialist, physician. He's a medical doctor. This This is what he does all day long, every day. I, on the other hand, have included medicinal cannabis as a uh, an option, an additional option or a supplement. Um, but for the most part, we stick with uh, pharmacology, psychotherapy, yoga, meditation, aromatherapy, which Dr. Damas also does there at his practice. Um, but again, Dr. Damas, Damas is a full-time cannabis expert, specialist, medic- medicinal cannabis specialist, shall we say? Um, so... I noticed in your bio, you said that you were opposed to it. I was that way once before as well in the past, because as you said, in medical school, you're taught cannabis can cause so many different things, including psychosis. And I have spoken about that on Instagram. Some some kids, some people, some adults, when they're using street cannabis Mm -hmm. are at higher risk of of having... um, negative consequences, severe consequences from the use of street cannabis than they would be if it were medicinal, knowing exactly purely where it's coming from, from the earth. Um, but everything, not, nothing is without risk. So we're talking about it and Dr. Damas is, is sharing the pleasant experience he has had, but parents, we're not saying this is for every brain, to the adults, we're not saying this is for every brain. You should do this with guidance from your medical professional, and that would be Dr. Damas. Correct. Thank you. So that's well said. Um, and I th- if you touched on a lot of things that are really pertinent to today's um, cannabis culture and legalization movement. A, the potency of the cannabis that you're getting now, it's kind of bubonic. So the stuff nowadays is, you know, 30, 40 times stronger than it was even in the 90s, the early, like, you know, so you're looking at cannabis that can get up, they have strains at 41% THC, when in actuality, stuff should be one to 4% THC. That's like, you know, traditionally, that's what it was, but it's been bred to be something else because of prohibition. Getting stuff from the street is unsafe. It's, it's, you know, you don't know the chain of custody of that stuff. So it could be laced with a whole bunch of stuff, which is happy. But then there are people who've been self-medicating, a lot of people who are self-medicating who actually need services. And so mm-hmm. when you look into, for example, um, the disparities between African-American youth and Caucasian youths in terms of the criminalization of it, right? Right. Our kids 
have suffered from the same reason. So if you talk to them like, hey, why are you smoking weed? And they'll say, well, you know, it helps me deal with my life and the stressors and things like that, right? But then they are arrested for it. They don't have access to mental health. They don't have resources. They don't have access to counseling. Some of them have, you know, basic needs who aren't being met, children of abuse and things like that. And so now they're relying on self-medicating with this thing because they don't have a way to actually treat and get a lot of their, their issues addressed properly, right? And so using it as something to, as like a, a cover or, a, or, you know, a Band-Aid for something for much larger issues is not good. And then, you know, developing brains um, are subject to some unwanted side effects because of the fact that they're still developing. The brain is not fully developed until you're like 22, 23. So, exactly. yeah. you know, so there's a lot, like there's there's so many things to go into it. So it's not like an all for everybody kind of thing. Um, you know, but in my circumstance, I had hit the end. Like, so I went to all the doctors. I did everything they were asking me to do. I couldn't work out anymore because I had another surgery. So like the thing that was making me feel good, which was the exercise, I can't even do that anymore. And it just went worse and worse. And then it was like, you sure you don't want to smoke this weed? And finally, I was like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? And at the moment, I was like, they could arrest me. And I was like, this is what, this is it. This is how it all ends. Former football player <laughs> arrested, <laughs> buying marijuana, <laughs> right? And I'd be like, no, it's because I was, you know, I needed, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I had like this thing in my mind. So I, you know, go by, I talk to one of the dudes at the hospital. I was like, yo, I want to get some weed. And they're like, you? I was like, yeah, really? For you, I was like, yeah, for me. And they're like, okay, <laughs> right? Because real talk, I was like, you know, I play ball, football, you lose a lot. So if you tested positive playing football, like from, I knew I was going to go pro. So that was my focus. So I wasn't going to risk that. You get yeah. suspended, you get, give the NFL a reason to be on your ass, they would be. So I'd be, mm -hmm. I was like, nah, I'm straight. I got a, I got a goal. Now here I am in med school, like I got a goal. I'm not messing around with y'all at all. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to go do this thing, right? To like, so I go, I'm not a smoker. I still, to this day, I don't smoke. Um, you know, I'll smoke every once in a while. It's kind of like a, kind of like a social thing, but that's not, you know, I mm -hmm. take edibles, tinctures, and those type of things. Um, and I smoked. I remember uh, going to sleep. That was like the craziest thing. I like, I actually coughed more than I smoked. I might have coughed up more than I smoked. But I went to sleep for like 12 hours. I hadn't slept. I had been sleeping like three to four hours a mm. night for about nine months minimum and it slowly gotten worse and worse so i slept and i was like nah i don't believe it <laughs> i woke up in the morning i was like man i feel great i went to the hospital i wasn't anxious but i didn't believe it that's why i was like nah that was a coincidence like it had to be something else and so i remember that night the second night going and smoking again again coughing up like a laugh <laughs> all right <laughs> I'm not a smoker and then uh, sleeping for like 10 hours. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is exactly what I've been looking for, but I still don't believe it. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
I don't know about this weed business, right? right. And then the third night, I was like, I'm not going to smoke. Let me see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. And four o'clock in the morning, I was up. I was like, damn, I can't believe I haven't smoked. So then I, I was going to go back to the hospital. I remember like the period of time, it was a Sunday night. And I was like, I'm going to smoke and see if I go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Boom, I did it. Went back to sleep. That Monday, I remember not being anxious on the way to the hospital, like walking the floors and like, I feel like myself, like I haven't felt like this in forever. And it was at that moment, I was like, nah, this can't be a coincidence. This is three times I've done this. I've slept, I woke up feeling great. As a matter of fact, my leg is not even hurting me. I was like, I'm not even like, I'm moving around. It's like, yo, this is the weirdest thing. And it was at that moment, I was like, there's something, there's something up here because like people have been telling me that you hear these stories, right? But here I am in school studying and they're not telling me any of this stuff, right? But here's my personal experience, which coincides with all these stories that people have been telling me that I didn't want to believe. Yeah. So once you had the experience yourself, you knew this is not, this is not a fluke. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yo, there is something wrong here. And then I had a, like a, a medicine cabinet full of prescriptions, which I was like, man, it, it really kind of upset my, my, my kind of belief system because I was all in, right? You know, like everything they're teaching me. Meaning is, all in, you were all into Western medicine. Yeah. Just, let's be specific. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All mm-hmm. in. And so it's kind of like I'm being bamboozled, right? I was like, yo, I'm being bamboozled here, A. And then it started slowly creeping into my thought. And this is something that you mentioned earlier was like, if I'm being bamboozled, yeah. right? Like, and I've got access to all these people, I ain't yeah. broke, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm being bamboozled. Can you imagine what's happening to everybody else? Mm-hmm. And that was like the beginning of it for me, which was like, yo, there is something really wrong here because what I went through to get to this point, I shouldn't have had to gone through. And all this stuff that they put me on, like I told you, like I shouldn't have to go through all of this when yeah. this stuff was right here all this time. And so that, yeah. that's that been, you know, that was spearheaded me. And from there, I always had the battery in my back, real talk. And, you know, mm-hmm. here I am. I always knew I was going to start a practice. Like I was like, I got to do something. This ain't right. Um and then, you know, had to fight with the hospital and do all of this stuff. And here we are. I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, congratulations to you on not being afraid to jump out the window. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you, you jumped out the window when you told your residency that, hey, I'm good. I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, so it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Well, they um, try to. They try to stray. They try to like play me like a punk too. It's like, yo, what are you gonna do? I remember, I remember my program director. It's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You gonna start over? He gave me that. <laughs> what? He was like, yo, you talking all this junk? Like, you gonna do something, bro? You three years in for you? We you gonna start over? And I, I remember looking at him like, yo, man, you know what? Yeah, if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on myself. But I do remember looking like, come on, man. He was like, cut the crap. (laughs) Listen, so so people have perspective on how long you were in your third year of of radiology residency. Yeah. And how long is that residency? Five. 
So folks, we're talking, this is the training post medical school. So yeah. he went to college. He then went to medical school for four years to become an MD. And then he went into his residency. That's additional training to make you a specialist. So he was passed halfway. He was, you know, <laughs> into his third year and decided that he wanted to place his health first, his health and to be happy. It sounds like you weren't happy. I wasn't. I, 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 I'm going to tell you the truth. I wasn't happy there. I actually hated I hated the job. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for you. You can tell my personality. I'm not a recent a reading room kind of person, no. No, um, but not. I hated the job. Um, I didn't like the work itself. I didn't like the separation from, from patients, you know, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, it was a stable thing. You know, radiologists, you're here, you're, you're, you're eight to five in and out. You're not on call. You can know, work from home. home. You can, can work, work from, from home. home if you want. The salary yeah. is great. You know what I'm saying? So it's awesome. Yeah. And there's, there's also the prestige of the specialty. Like, you know, it's one of the hardest to get in. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. that thing as well, you know, so all of that plays into it. But, you know, I can tell you, tell you the truth. I was going to go into the IR pathway. Um, mm, uh, but gotcha. I did not, I did not really enjoy it. It was, um, I think I was at that point kind of like you're in, like, you always say you got to do what you got to do. And then, you know, things got legal, real talk. And it was like, Hey, you, mm -hmm. the thing that you're supposed to do, it's time for you to do. It. And I started doing it and they, they basically, I think gave me the push that I need. Gotcha. Honestly, when I look back, they gave me the push that I need to say, hey, you don't belong here if you're going to be acting like that. And I'm like, you know what? I hope I, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. belong here with you guys. And, you and I just want to add that Dr. Domus is a member of Omega Psi Phi fraternity. Um, they're known as the stereotype about Q dogs is that they're not that smart. But clearly you're hearing that he's a very <laughs> intelligent person. <laughs> What's up? Who um, said that? Who said? Don't listen to that. <laughs> no, you know that is, that is the stereotype. principles is scholarship. Like that is, and you know what? I'm I will play at the beginning the introduction for tonight's show. I'm playing the Q Dog song. Atomic <laughs> <Wait>, Dogs. <laughs> but the stereotype smart. is that you guys aren't all that smart, you know what I'm saying? But here you are, you got into a very competitive specialty, a very competitive residency as a radiology resident, you got to be really good at anatomy to get into a radiology. I mean, that's one of the, the courses in med school you got to be great at. Like, so you got to score well on your boards and all those things. It's competitive. So guys, he is a very intelligent, smart man. And he is, um, his bedside manner is it's awesome. It's off the chain. It's off the chart. So if you're looking for a physician to help complement, are you, are, well, are you doing primary care type stuff or are you just so, doing medicinal cannabis? You know, what's the, what's the strangest thing about that is that I wind up doing a lot of primary care. A I lot of the people who come in or have chronic conditions that are poorly yeah. managed, they haven't got like same thing. I haven't gotten a solution somewhere else. And now I don't even go to my dude anymore. Like, you yeah. know, because no one's talking to them. You're talking to them. Yeah. You're educating them. You're helping them. 
Yeah, so we do a lot of that, and we do a lot of what we do. do we we have a nutritionist that we send people out to. We refer people to you, right? So, like, listen, yeah. bro, you know, and I'll tell people, like you said earlier, listen, you know, marijuana is not appropriate for you. I've told a lot of people this: what you think is the solution is not the solution you're looking for. There is mm-hmm. something else that you need, and I'm not qualified to to provide that. But call this woman here, call her office, go over there because she's going to get you right. And then we talk to people about CBD too. So a lot of people don't know the difference between marijuana and hemp-based products. And they attribute the fact that you're high to all the benefits that you get. And the reason being is because we've been in a prohibition state. So people don't know that like being high does not give you the medicinal benefits. It's a sensation. And there are all these other things, but you ascribe all the feelings of of wellness to that sensation, right? So it wasn't the weed getting high that was putting me to sleep. It was Mm -hmm. the fact that you have these cannabinoids that work on GABA receptors in my brain, for example, right? And then, you know, and bring me down, basically. Part of of the teachings of medicinal cannabis is that medicinal is not going to get you high. That's the difference between it and and street drugs. So exactly. uh, (laughs) Really quickly tell folks the difference between CBD and and cannabis. All right, cool. So you have these molecules in the plants called cannabinoids. The major one is THC. Everyone knows it's the high, gets you high. And there's another one, this major cannabinoid called cannabidiol. There are about 120 some odd uh, cannabinoids in the plant, but the CBD is predominantly found in what's called hemp plants. Hemp is a cousin of the cannabis or marijuana plant. Marijuana is uh, a term. Marijuana is really a legal term. It's not a scientific term. So all the laws and policies will always be marijuana laws because that's Mm -hmm. what was used to vilify it and prohibit it in the first place. So they always use marijuana as a policy uh, marker and cannabis is a scientific thing. And so when you consume cannabis, you'll have these things in there. You have some THC and you have some CBD, depending on the ratio, you can feel an effect. Too much THC or enough THC will alter your cognition. If you have enough CBD in there, it's going to block the THC from doing that. So you can get the benefits without actually being high. Then you can, if you don't want the THC at all, there are products that, and natural products completely, that have very little to no THC, and it's all CBD. And from there, you'll get your anxiety relief. You can go to sleep. It's a very good anti-inflammatory. So that pain relief that you hear a lot of people talk about, like, oh, I use this for my pain. Cannabidiol is a primary reason why people are getting like the minor aches and pains. Now there's some pain that it's not strong enough of a pain reliever. So you need the THC for, so let's say Mm -hmm. neuropathic pain, which is nerve pain, cancer pain, those type of things you need a little something stronger for, but like common aches and pains, arthritis, discomfort, muscle aches, those, those like that's your bread and butter. And it's kind of like the workhorse behind the scenes that nobody really knows because Everyone talks about like, oh, I was high, you know, medical marijuana, medical marijuana. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, there's this CBD. And also it prevents you from putting yourself at risk. Let's say you have to take drug tests or anything like that. You can actually mm-hmm. get the benefits 
without having THC in your system. So that way you can have the best of both worlds, right? So mm -hmm. you're not if you're a government employee, federal contractor, like you mentioned earlier, because it's federally illegal, CBD products, as long as they're um, broad spectrum or isolates, which mean they don't have any THC, can give you the benefits without the risk. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, he just broke it down for you. Um, man, we packed so much information into tonight's episode. Um, I charge each and every one of you to listen to this episode at least two times. <laughs> Put it on repeat. Not because I'm trying to double my, my listens, but because there's a lot of information in this episode. I mean, Dr. Damas talks about woof, his own mental health challenges that he experienced. He talked about how um, what path led him to becoming a medicinal cannabis specialist. He spoke about his career in, in football and some of the challenges he experienced there and some of what he witnessed personally from other players with himself. Um, and he also talked about if you guys didn't read between the lines, he spoke about faith and also believing in yourself and taking, taking a chance on yourself. We always take chances on other people. We don't take a chance on ourselves oftentimes. You got to believe in yourself. And I think that's the biggest lesson here is, is going for what you believe in, um, you know, not losing faith in what you know is right, doing what's right and sharing that information with other people as well. I, there, there are just so many gems and so much um, intel in this episode, Dr. Domus. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared. All these, all these pearls, all this food, <laughs> all this nutrition for us to chew on. I'm happy to share it. No, real talk, I, I do believe that though, um, embracing your purpose and having faith and believing in yourself, um, standing steadfast in your beliefs, um, and being open to what the world has to offer you, you know, what, what life has to give you is, re is really a big part of the experience that you're going to have here. Like, you know, I don't think we should just be here just kind of like floating and like, hey, you know, it's another day biding my time. You know, I really feel driven to contribute, give back, to do something like that's a thing I've I feel very strongly about that. Like you're supposed to be doing something, homeboy, get to work. <laughs> so, you know, I, but it, it gives me purpose. It fills me, it fills my, my heart with joy. I love what I do. I love helping people, help connecting with great people. That's another, you know, that's another great part of this. It's like meeting people who are like, yeah, man, we can do this. There's another way. Like, oh man, like, yeah, we're being bamboozled. Like, who would have thought it, right? We are being bamboozled in a lot of ways. And it's unfortunate. Our health is, is, is very sacred. And there are a lot of things in this society that are not beneficial for our healthy, for our food, for the content we consume, the lifestyles we live, a lot of things that take us away from, from the, what's best for us. So if I can help, I'd love to. How can people reach you? I'm going to allow that to be the last word because I loved how you summed it up. Guys, you got to reach out to Dr. Damas, go and see him. He is an advocate and an activist for change. And clearly he's passionate about the mental and physical health of folks. He may not treat your mental completely, but he knows where to send you when he can. That would be to my office. Right. But 
He he loves people and you can tell, I don't know how the heck you were going to do radiology, you know, <laughs> stuck in those dark oh, rooms, limited inter yeah, stuck in those dark rooms, limited inter interaction, interactions yeah. with the patient. So um so appreciative that you joined me on the couch tonight. And I want patients, I want people to become your potential patient. How can they reach you? How can they schedule? What should they do? Drop an email, drop a number, drop a website, drop all that. And guys, I'll also put it in uh tonight's show in the description. Nice. All right. So um easiest way I know a lot of people like to call in, which is like 2023. They still like to call. So you could call their <laughs> office. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what was that, homeboy? What's the number? All right. So you could always call us 833-362-3262, 833-362-3262. Website is drdamas.com, D-R-D-A-M-A-S.com. And then you can follow us online. It's Dr. Damas CBD. And you can follow myself personally. I'm just Dr. Damas real easy. We do a lot of education, it's like a lot of education. Um, you go on the website, we have lots of blogs. I put up a lot of scientific information so you guys can make really informed decisions. Um, and we like to answer. You hit us up on social media, somebody will answer your, your question. And if you need a consultation, we'll set that up to you. We'll set that up for you as well. So we got you covered. Yeah, man. So um, guys... <laughs> Contact Dr. Damas. My, my mind's all over the place right now as we're wrapping up. I, I wanted to say that we've come so far. Um, there was a time when people were afraid to post or to share that they were involved in any capacity with cannabis because of clearly the, the federal regulations. Um, you know, and I being in the Army Reserve, it's one of those things, too, that's not they can't control every, everything that I do because I'm just a part time reservist. But mm -hmm. Um, there are some risks here. However, doctors were sworn to do no harm and Dr. Domus is going to take care of you. So reach out to him so that he can be a part of your, your treatment team and can create a treatment plan for you. In fact, Dr. Domus is supposed to be sharing with me how to acquire Dr. Domus CBD. So wow. we can carry his product in the office and take it with us we go to health fairs and you know we set up our tables and all that so we can push this black owned cbd product that's right we're gonna hook it up we're gonna make it happen for people too and like i said we have non-thc options for people who um are in situations where they cannot test positive whatsoever you know even even though the science behind that is like fugazi you know it's, yeah. like, it's because it's in your system doesn't mean that you're impaired right but you know, yeah. that's another thing. It's just a, it's a tool that's been used to criminalize certain segments of the population, but that's another discussion. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. We appreciate you. I'm We're going to go out. It's health month. So. Yes. Yes. And I'm going out on Atomic Dog. I'm going out on the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Now add brain love to that, please. Say brain love. <laughs> Say brain love. Brain love. All right. Thank you. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, 
every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Thank you.